Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks so much for being here today. Okay, it's a pleasure to have you here along with my guest today, my special guest, Howie Knopf. Howie, Dr. Howie Knopf is the president, as you probably know, of Project Achieve, an expert, a school psychologist, past president of the National Association of School Psychologists, and a frequent guest here. Again, Project Achieve is projectachieve.info. If you want to go check out all the wonderful consulting work and all the great information that Howie gas over there, we're going to be talking today with Howie, and I hope Howie's listening, I know, to a, with Deborah Crockett, his guest, Dr. Crockett. Is the, was the first African-American president of the National Association of School Psychologists. I'm hoping she calls in. She has not called in yet. That's a signal to Howie. Maybe he can email her and remind her she may have forgotten because I hope she can join us today because we're going to talk about recruiting minorities into education and also into the mental health professions that support education, especially during these racially challenging times, okay, which should be less and less, not more and more, if I may, okay? Uh, Something I can't understand, but I guess all you have to do is look at history to understand that for some silly reason. All right, so we're going to have a really good discussion with Howie and I hope Dr. Crockett as well. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. And as you know, that's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. Go over to ace-ed.org. Our magazine is over there, which we are quite proud of. That's called Equity and Access. We're the only education journal focusing completely on equity and access to education for everyone, every student, and how we can make that happen. So please go over, check it out. Okay, we're very proud of our magazine. All of our podcasts are over at ace-ed.org and links to our other websites as well. Okay, it's, it's a good place to go, and I hope you visit. And I hope everything we do, by the way, is free, so please sign up for a subscription, and we'll send you the link to the magazine every other month when it comes out. Okay, I think Howie probably got my signal, but I'm going to bring him on here right now. Good morning, Howie. Larry's here. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, Larry. How are you? I'm just fine. Did you get my subtle signal that Deb hasn't called in yet? I did, and I just texted her. Um, I was in the middle of running your phone number in there. So Uh, she and I (laughs) talked yesterday. So um, so there must be something, might, might be something going on. So. Well, we'll get, let me just say to you right now, she can't make it today for some reason. We, of course, are going to do the show, but we'll bring her back on the future show. Okay, but I hope that she can call great. in. And, and I'm watching the board to make sure because it would be an honor to have her here. She first, I'll say it again, first African-American president of the National Association of School Psychologists, and God knows we know, need more and more of that. And she's also a Lifetime Achievement Award from NASB winner, so I, th- I think that's just great. Okay, Howie, so we'll, yes. hopefully she'll call in. Howie, okay, I love the way you titled our show today, Ebony and Ivory. Okay, you should contact some major songwriters, okay, and, and see if they could do a song about that. I'm, I don't know who. Uh, I'll, I'll have imagine. to put that into consideration. <laughs> yeah, just consider it, think about it, okay, because we're going to talk about recruiting minorities into education, Okay and also into the mental health professions that service education. And this is extremely, extremely important, okay, because kids need role models, okay? Everybody needs diversity. I mean, it's really the right thing to do, and we're having more and more trouble about that. So how about but I hope you can answer all this. The current status, if you have it, and the numbers of minority educators, okay, and mental health practitioners in our schools today, okay, what's the current status? Do you know offhand? Well, 
Yeah, they're they're significantly underrepresented, and they have yeah. been under, <clears throat> underrepresented for really my professional lifetime of you know over forty <laughs> years, and 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 it's not just a matter of. Um, minorities being interested in education. Uh, I mean, traditionally they are, and they have been um, interested in education. Some of this is issues of life events. Some of this are historical events. Some of this are political events. Um, And, you know, for example, um, you know, one of the significant elements um, from a historical perspective is when you look at back in the 50s, when you know they they passed you know the Supreme Court ruled on equity in terms of uh, African American and Caucasian and other minority kids um, having equal access to school, um, what happened was <clears throat> all of the kind of bi- bifurcated system of the the black yeah. school systems versus the white school systems when they were combined most of or many of the African-American educators lost their jobs. Yeah, they exactly. were not it encouraged. Worked, yeah, yeah, it worked the wrong way. Yeah, It worked the wrong way. So while, yeah. you know, we had a Supreme Court talking about equity, what functionally occurred was we lost all of these African-American exceptional educators. And that was not just a historical event. That has paid dividends, negative dividends, as we kind of proceed through uh, into the 2023s. Yeah. And by the way, Deb has just joined us. Hi, Deb. We didn't lose that African-American oh, educator. Good. Hi, Thank Deb. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Larry, Deb. Nice to have you here. Can you hear me? Sorry Never? about the delay. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I'm here. You're here now, and that's great. Call me Larry. It's wonderful to have you here on the show. It's a pleasure and an honor. Well, thank to you the so life... much. You're welcome to the Lifetime Achievement Award winner, and I'd introduce you to my other guests, but I have a feeling you know Howie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I give uh, Howie, Howie was very instrumental in making me take a chance and do something I thought would yeah. never happen, and it did. What, what, may I ask he what that was? What, what was that? Sure, starting uh, establishing a minority scholarship award oh, for was... students who uh, wanted to become, for students of color who wanted to yeah. become school psychologists. Wow. Because I think at the Howie. time we only had 10 members, and now I've forgotten how many scholarships have been awarded. It's that right. Is right. The right. To rising. both of you. To both of you. Okay. Well, and, and and Larry, you know the backstory yeah. is. I mean, I was I was president of the National Association of School Psychologists. Yeah. Back in 1989, and um, I was you know the second youngest um, president. Um, but as I looked around in in my professional work in the field, I recognized that we did not have the minority representation, and especially yeah. the African American. And, you know, it's a pipeline, and that's what uh-huh. really recruitment is all about. It's a pipeline. Yes, it is. And so if we don't get students interested in education and the mental health professions, even when they're in high school and then moving into their or undergraduate careers, 
then we lose those opportunities. But but the other reality is is that you know there's a financial. If you're you know a school psychologist is getting an educational specialist or a doctoral degree, so this is after their undergraduate degrees, and you know there's uh-huh. got to be some kind of financial support to these students. But more importantly, there's got to be symbolic support. We've got to make sure that our minority students, whether it's in education or in mental health, realizes that they are valued and that it is important to support them, not just financially, but in terms of who they are and what they bring to the educational table. And, you know, how you just brought up an interesting point. You said, you know, and Deb, too, please comment on this. You say we have to support them. And, I, agree, I of course, I agree with that generic statement. But my question, okay, who is the we? Okay, who's who are who? When you say we have to support them, okay, and of course you guys did it in ASP and all that sort of thing. But we're talking to a more generic audience. Who's that we? Howie, you want to answer that one? Who do you who do you want to support them? Who I do we mean, need to support them? It's easy to say it's the we is everyone. It's everyone in education, everyone. but it's it's got to go beyond that, and especially in uh-huh. right now in twenty in the twenty twenties twenty twenty three. I mean, I'll give you an example who the we should be. It should be our not just the educational system. It should be our community right. in terms of right. you Thank know you. Um, what we're paying teachers and mental health people. But it also at this point, it's got to also be our government. I mean, give you a, what I think is a sad example. Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, just became the governor of Arkansas last week. I know. Okay. One of her first acts, one of her first executive orders was to ban the teaching of critical race theory in Arkansas schools. Yes. Now, there's two critical points here. One, critical race theory (laughs) almost, almost to the 99th degree is not being taught in the United States school system, right. in the public right. school system. That doesn't system. matter. Why, but, why would the facts she makes matter? A po- Look, don't mix me up right. with the she, facts. She makes a political, mix makes a political yeah. act. And what she said, and I'm quoting yeah. her, she said, critical race theory is antithetical to traditional American values of neutrality, equality, and fairness. Well, I don't know that that's how the United States was established back in the 1700s. But yeah. again, going back to your question, Larry, the we sometimes yeah. is also going to be our government that's, that is not making these types of executive orders that are really nonsensical, but they send the wrong message to exactly. all of our uh-huh. school children exactly. and all of our educators. Right, and, and and as we keep uh-huh. doing this more and more and more, there's going to be less and less people who want to get involved in these contra- – which used to be the most non-controversial area in the world is going to be uh, – who wants to get involved in a big controversial area? You know, it's it's unbelievable, and I'm going to tell you something else. You know, I've, I've said this all along, and Deb, you'll, I, I'd love your thoughts on this. You know, we're always looking for more minority educators. We want – Black kids, Latino kids to become educators, we want them to become mental health professionals, okay? But, uh-huh. okay, we have to make the 12 years of – if we expect people to come back as professional educators, okay, we have to be sure that they are enjoying and learning and engaged in the 12 years of their education because those are very formative years, as we all know. And if we do uh-huh. not make – 
make them engage. Who wants to go back to a place where they didn't have a good time? Oh, yeah, I had a lousy time. I was treated like crap. I think I'll go back there and make that my profession. Okay? Nobody does that. Okay? Who does that? Right. All right? So it, it, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle that we've created here. All right, and it's 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 just ridiculous. As more and more kids, and I'm talking about Latino and African American and any other group that you want to throw in there, we've got to get them engaged in education. If they're engaged in, we can talk to them about making it profession, making it as a profession. Okay, it's unbelievable. Deb, I got to ask you. You know, when 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 did you start your career as a school psychologist? Can you name your Where did I start? No, when when. It was it was not working in a school system, I can tell you. I was very fortunate to have a friend who is a clinical psychologist, and he had been working with this particular family, mother, father, son. And dad was white and mom was black. So, you know, I mean, and the kids gave their son pure hell in school. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. In school. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, the psychologist asked me if I would try and work with him and see if we could get him to open up and talk about what was happening that was causing him to not want to go to school. And the young man gave me a lot of information about what happened from classroom to classroom to classroom to classroom. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Why is a teacher that school counselor, the school social worker, the school nurse, and God forbid the principal of the school not be looking at what's happening to this one student and doing something to stop the personal attacks and something to help the people in the schools. And this was a very wealthy family, so they could handle things like paying for the child's outside um, therapy but inside the school nothing was happening so he's getting all these mixed messages from his parents from the school from the psychologist and they weren't looking at the fact that these kids were attacking this young man because he was black they would not call him biracial they called him black and he would change on forms black or white and write in biracial yeah, he had a well, lot what, of. What, what, were the kids who were picking on him were they mostly white kids or mostly black kids? They were. All, he was the track. only uh, kid of color in the entire school. Oh wow! And where was this? <laughs> where was it? In Georgia? Where was it? It's in Georgia, in Atlanta. Okay. I will not. Okay. I don't want to. No, I don't no, want no, a lawsuit, so I won't call no, no, their no, name. No, 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 no. But I was floored. I was. I mean, I did not. I. I had trouble breathing, you know. This is yeah. happening to this Very child so. who is bright enough to know that it's something negative. And it got to the point where the mother who was black would not go to school for meetings. Her husband had to go because she was so angry. <laughs> she um, was let loose is the way they put it. Mm. And they eventually withdrew him and sent him to school out of state. Yeah. And I thought, oh. now, now, Larry, story. let's yeah. let's take that take that story, you know, ahead, back Nelly. in probably you know the seventies. All right, nineteen seventies. All right, now let's Deb, was fast that, wait a minute, Deb, was, to, Deb, was that in the seventies? Deb, when was that? No, it was in the nineties. 
Okay, all right, in the 90s. Okay. All right, so now let's (laughs) fast forward, okay? (laughs) Let's fast forward to 2023, okay? I'm an expert witness right now. I'm an expert witness right now on a federal court case in a state, I'm just going to say out west, where basically the same thing happened to a little kindergarten biracial girl, okay? And it was systemic. It wasn't just her. It was across the entire school district. Uh-huh. And they're being sued right now because that little girl's parents had to move her to a different state with all of the uh-huh. racial and, 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 and issues that this little girl had to deal with as a kindergartner, the trauma, the psychological impact, and so on. So this is not just something that is happening back in the 90s. This is happening, continuing today. But the issue for me right now, and the issue why I wanted to do this program, Larry, is that we've got to per- put a personal face on these issues. That's right. Right. That's right. Even though I uh-huh. invoked politics, even though we're talking about, you know, recruitment and so on, when people have friends who are minority friends, and when they, and I'm talking about white people especially, okay, like me, and they hear the stories from a friend, all of a sudden there's a cognitive dissonance because the attitudes, the beliefs, sometimes the stereotypes we have sometimes are broken down when it's being experienced by a friend and the friend is validating things that we're hearing in the public press Uh about how minorities are feeling and indeed how they're being treated in our schools and why there needs to be equity. There does need, and I, I'm trying to go back to wait a minute, Deb, to go back to the subject at hand. Okay, we're talking about uh, you know that 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 school in Georgia that was picking on the biracial young man. Okay, we're talking about a school out west right now. Okay, where where they have to screw the school district because uh, the other kids were picking on the, on this biracial young lady. Right. Okay, uh. and. and but my, my point is this, and I'm just going to do this from a personal point of view. I went to school in Philadelphia, Howie, okay, yep. okay at, Overbrook, at Overbrook High School, okay, which was a, this is a while ago now, okay, but a while ago, decades, thousands of years ago, okay. Uh, Overbrook High, when I went there, was, uh, was about 80% African-American. Okay, and it was about twenty percent white. Okay, we had a couple Latino kids thrown in there. Okay, but that that was the basic breakdown. Half I wouldn't say half, but a lot of our teachers were, from junior high on were African American teachers. Okay, and it never occurred to any of us, and I am not kidding you, to to do racial to pick on anybody racially because we were in the milieu. For, from seventh grade on, of being with African-American kids mostly and white kids, okay, African-American teachers and white teachers. And believe me, there was no difference, okay? There was no difference to approach an African-American kid or an African-American teacher any differently than you would a white kid or a white teacher, okay? Because you learned that, and you learned that because there were black professionals in that school, okay? Mm-hmm. And that that's the way where the, and the reason we have these challenges today is because the schools the setup of the school is not racially balanced okay and with the minute somebody comes in that's not the, the same it's like uh, wow you stick out like a sore thumb if i may 
Okay, and you know kids, kids pick on people, and if we don't make sure that people learn to respect everybody, okay, we're going to continually have these problems. That's my rant for today. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do, you th- mm-hmm. what do you think, Deb? What do you think, Deb? I mean, I agree totally. I mean, I have a personal issue now. Um, Howie, you remember um, my nephew that used to travel with me? Mm-hmm. The time yep. he was barely walking until he was yep. grown. His wife is white. Not only is she white, she's white from a county that, uh, you know, they still have their signs of n- niggers are not needed here. Get out of here. And so this girl. Get out of here. Say Jeez. what? Oh, real. Right, oh you want, God. When you come to Atlanta the next time, I'll take you to the oh. real south. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. (laughs) And this young man, I mean, if you met him, he loves meeting people. And we have tried to to raise him as someone who accepts people on their merits and not on all this other stuff. And I know we're going to have to have a real racial discussion because he turned five in December and he'll be in public school next unless I can. And I thought, I don't want to put him in a snooty (laughs) private school. (laughs) Why are you laughing at me? Did you not tell him? I love the word. I love snooty. I love the word snooty. Okay. That was great. (laughs) It makes me sick. And, and he, he does not meet strangers. He does not, if if you were to come here, Howie, and I said, this is my friend Howie Knopf, and he does this, 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 and this, Kagan's going, oh, I didn't mean to say his name. He's going to, he's going to be interested in what you have to say, and he will show you things that he likes to do. When he was two years old, his, he wanted to do two things, learn how to count from one to 100. This is a two-year-old. Yeah. And how to say all his ABCs. And so he's got six aunts. Well, one of them is his grandmother. And we he would we keep him, we've kept him with it because he did not like nursery school because they wouldn't let him ask questions. I said, okay, we got through that. He learned. He loves to travel. And travel can be anything to him from Atlanta to Grant Park to see the zoo or whatever. But he mm-hmm. likes learning. He likes people. He, uh, he will t- if he saw, the first time he saw a Hindu man with a wrap on his head, and forgive me for not remembering the name of it, and the beard, turban. And he, turban. that's who he yeah. walked over. Yeah. A turban, right, thank you. Yeah, you are. Age. I, my 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 uh, I'm you work I'm working on a 64k and a 700,000 mini whatever world but anyway and he walked up to him and he said and he he was about four I think and he said how do you grow a beard like that yeah <laughs> well the man was so nice and he said well of he course. talked to him about aging and all this stuff and then he said you have an accent. How many four-year-olds talk to adults and say, you have an accent? And the man told him where his country was and all this and things that they do. And he looked at me and he wow, that's so interesting. And I thought, public schools will kill this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, have, I went to Atlanta public schools, I tell you. 
and I go in them periodically for other people when they ask me. And I thought, how do we find a good place for him? You know, I would rather he be in a public sector so he can run into the real world because you're going to have everybody who's poor or not. We went to one school that's in our zone, and my sister and I and his mother were looking at each other and saying, this is not going to work for him because he's very outspoken. Uh, He's very, he will tell you, no, that's not right. And we get into a discussion. I said, we talk, he's, he's used to adults talking to him. Yeah, but, but Tim, I want to ask you something. Wait, I got to ask you something. Kids. I got to ask you something. I, I I don't know the answer to this. What percentage, okay, of, of teachers? And I would imagine it's it's fairly high, higher than the, the average certainly. What percentage of teachers in Atlanta public schools are African American? Do you know what they Probably just anecdotally. Ninety five percent. Ninety to ninety five probably. Teachers, teachers, teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta would, is a. The public school system is a black system. All of the principals and everybody. uh, Okay, so if 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 he goes to an all black to to a place where there are a lot of black educators, okay, Atlanta public schools. Okay, getting back to the subject at hand, would he learn to 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 to, would that would that be good for him? Where's the challenge, and Howie, you can join in here on this one. Where's the challenge? I mean, I'll go from a research perspective. I mean, we know know from the research that when kids of color have at least one African-American or minority teacher, just one in the course of their elementary, middle school careers, they actually academically achieve higher than the kids of color who have all white teachers. Well, now, again, uh-huh. yeah, it uh-huh. is. And and you know, again, you, you got to do some interpretation. And and I'm kind of projecting here. You know, it's not because you know African American teachers are so much more exceptional. Okay, it's the right. climate. It's the culture. It's seeing uh-huh. somebody who is like me. Exactly. So Uh I know that I can do the same thing and I can do anything I want. I mean, I I don't want to invoke President Obama, but it's the same notion is is that we can succeed in a world that sometimes doesn't want us to succeed. And I'm speaking as a a student of color. So, I mean, so the Uh research is clear that having minority educators is absolutely crucial for the kids, but it's also crucial for the adults in terms of the collaboration well, and the culture and the norms. And I'm going to swing it around. It's also, it's also important, if I may, okay, for, uh, if I may, the white kids, okay, to, have to work with people of color, okay, who are yes, in a yeah. respect, respectful position, okay? That is, well, that is incredibly important and and hopefully that would work out well. Deb, go ahead, Deb. I have asked, say in something? fact, I just did this a month ago. I asked, um, I said, I, um, I, you know, I said, I'm a graduate of Atlanta Public Schools back in the days when schools were still segregated. And I never thought about going to school with white kids. 
didn't <laughs> care who was in the well, room. I just wanted to learn. And I come from well, a very poor yeah. background. Yeah. And it was only when I got at Georgia State University, two years after they desegregated, that I was really blown off my feet because I was in an environment where all the professors were white and they did not want us in the schools. We were still fighting yeah. that. And my baby didn't want, have to wait, go they didn't want through you in what school? They didn't want black people in the higher ed or they didn't want black people in the In uh, higher ed, school? yeah. They didn't want in it. higher ed, okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the professors were, let's just say it was as though I wasn't there. They would, I mean, and they, and they would gave, I always had a seat in the back in a corner where it's dark. And they didn't understand that I was driven to get my degree. I didn't care where I sat as long as I got the information. But uh, we had a, the, the, the uh, department chair for, for, um, uh, this is in graduate school. Okay. He called me into his office. And he said, I stood and watched you in class today. You didn't even know I was watching you. He was right. I don't look at those people when they come in. I'm trying to learn. And he said, this department has got to change. We cannot have our students. Because I was really thinking about changing and going to Emory because I had been talking to some people at Emory, and they said, we'd be glad to have you as a student. But I said, no, I am not going to go into super debt to get what my tax dollars are already paying for. And I stayed, and I was determined to make changes. Good, good, good. I like it. Yep, smart thinking. No, I said, I'm not going to do that. They are going to meet my needs, or we will meet in court. And my husband said, you know, you really are taking (laughs) on a lot. I said, let me tell you something. You play football with nothing but white boys, so you don't tell me I can't play. And he left me alone. <laughs> How he has met my husband, well, met he, my husband's deceased, but, you know, he was not a little man. And uh, the, But the dean, I will never forget when the dean said, are you ready for a fight? And I said, I don't want to fight with people. I just want to be accepted yeah. and left alone at some level. But he made a lot of changes in that department that were very positive. And I don't know, I haven't been down there in the last three or four years because COVID knocked me to the floor. So, mm. But we need that and we need to see the world in our schools. And when you start getting That's right. all of That's this right. and all of that, you get a very, very, very narrow view. But Atlanta is a segregated city. We like to say, you know, we are up on the, we don't believe in all people are equal. No, they're not. The schools are not equal. And if, Howie, the next time you come to Atlanta, I'll take you on a tour. Yeah. And yeah. right now we're fighting to get him in an elementary school that's diverse. And when I say diverse, it's not just black and white. You have Hispanics, you have people from India, from Mexico, from France, all of those. That is an environment that this baby would soak up. 
he got a, a, a doctor's kit. <laughs> Don't laugh. I had my physical yesterday <laughs> with a five-year-old. <laughs> he got one for Christmas. And he said, you know, I don't know if I want to be a doctor because people have to take off their clothes and they might not have had a bath. And I thought, what five-year-old thinks like this? Yeah. And my sister said, it's At my y'all. age, I could dissuade anybody. I've got news for you. Say what? I said, at my age, taking off my clothes with a doctor could dissuade anybody from going into the profession. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No you know, on that one. Yeah. But he is just one example. He loves right. to read, he, and he will let you read to him. He wants to, and now his thing is, can you speak French? I said, not anymore. <laughs> 30 years ago, I could, but I've forgotten it. And he's, he wants to learn French. He, wants, French. he thinks that Let's learning walk. French, you have to take him to France. Well, I right. would go on that trip, but so you know, those you know, all kids, the, all and I'm the, sure the, there are others. Said. I don't think he's the exception. I'm not going to say he's the rule, but there are a lot of kids out there like that. Yeah, there are, and we got to make sure yeah. that they're taken care of, and that and, and I, that, that really you know brings it brings it all back home. Where we got to leave in just a few minutes here, okay, Howie? You know. Let, let, Don, where's where's it going to go? Where do you see it all going? Getting 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 these well, kids into the right places and all that. We got about three minutes left here. Go ahead. Well, I you know I, if I had to emphasize one thing, I mean there's so many directions we could go, and none of them have any assurance that it's going to to help move us ahead. But I think it's these kind of personal stories that that Deb is telling, especially today that are important. I mean, you've got, we've got yeah, historical blocks, okay? We've got historical blocks in terms of African-American kids. Um, we've got the, the boarding schools of our Native American brothers and sisters. Oh. We've got the internment camps of, you know, our Japanese and our Japanese um, families, uh, you know, from a historical. The Holocaust yeah. uh-huh. is still there. Okay. So the, you know, our Islamic brothers and sisters in terms of uh, the, the phobias of, you know, things still from, um, you know, from um, Desert Storm and, and all of that. Okay. We've got to get this down to a personal level. And, and here's the critical point. You know, Deb and I have known each other for years, okay? But back to our yep. theme, Ebony and Ivory, okay? <laughs> At first blush, back whatever it was, 40 years ago, if anybody had said that we would be generational friends, they would say, you're crazy. That's just not going to happen, okay? And it's not that Deb and I agree all the time. We don't. The point is is that we're comfortable enough and we have a relationship where if I don't uh-huh. know and I say something stupid from a cultural or a racial perspective, Deb is going to correct me. I mean, she'll call me out. She'll do it respectfully. <laughs> she'll do it in, you know, in, in, in an appropriate way. Sometimes not. She's laughing. Okay. But, but we've got yeah. the relationship where we're able yeah, to exactly. learn from each exactly. other. That's exactly. what we need mm-hmm. in our schools. Exactly. And again, back to our right. theme. Right. In our, the schools, it, it, it needs to also be in our, not just our elementary, middle, and high schools, but our undergraduate institutions, in our training mm-hmm. programs at the graduate level for educators and mental health people. We've got to build the relationships so that we get to mm-hmm. the point 
where if we don't know, if we're ignorant of some of something from a cultural or a racial perspective, we're able to get that information, if you will, from uh-huh. the source and and vice versa. Okay, because uh-huh. Deb learns from me, and I don't want to speak for her, but I mean, in terms of me being a white male and my experiences in terms of dealing with other people and especially dealing with, with people from, from uh, you know, colleagues of color. So the personal relationships have to be there. But right That's now, right. especially in education, people are afraid because of all of the politics and these state laws and these executive orders. Uh-huh. People are afraid to even broach the topic anymore. And that's just yes. sad. And we've got to we've got to broach these topics. You're darn right, we do. And you have to do them from a respectful and non antagonistic point of view. Okay, and it's 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 just amazing. We got to go, guys. You two are you two are fun to talk to. Deb, thank you for joining us today. You are you are something. <laughs> thank else. you for having. You. You're terrific, Dr. Deborah Crockett. Okay, congratulations on that lifetime achievement award from NASP. Boy, you deserve it. It I was. It was huge. It blew me away. I tell you, it's huge. It's huge. And you, and, and you see what I do is what we should be doing. So yeah. I don't think right. about lifetime achievement awards and all of that stuff. A oh, lifetime well achievement said. for me is if kids get to have what they need as they are in school. They are treated equally as human beings who have the capacity to do it. That's my lifetime achievement award. Uh, you succeeded in that one, too, i got to tell you. Howie, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Larry, always. Okay. Both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Enjoy the okay, winner. Okay, and Howie, you got to call south. me back. Enjoy the winner. I'm All up right. Maine. Enjoy the winner. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care, Larry. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks, pal. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Good people. Okay. Uh, Howie's over at Project Achieve, and you should check out. He does great consulting all over the country, projectachieve.info. All right, and Deb is amazing right there, Dr. De- Dr. Crockett. All right, we'll archive the show over at ace-ed.org. I got to go. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs>